Good afternoon, Memorial Baptist friends and family, and welcome back to our midweek edition of our podcast for October 21st, 2020. I hope you're having a great week. And we had a great Sunday this past Sunday with some wonderfully uplifting and inspiring worship led by Macy and Kyle Tanner and our worship team. I want to thank the Tanners and Corey and Doug and Jordan and Skyler for uh, just leading us in worship. Uh, we are sure enjoying our new special guests that are coming each week, visiting and um, gracing our worship with their presence. We're also planning to expand and reopen more of our Wednesday evening activities. We will be expanding our ministry offerings to include children's activities on Wednesday evening. Um, we will also expand our meeting times from one hour to 90 minutes. And um, we are hoping some other things will come online soon. Going further in the near future, uh, November 8th, we will be looking at expanding our Sunday school classes to include children and youth, as well as two new adult classes, a median adult, uh, ages 35 to 60, and a young adult class from 23 to 35-year-olds. So please pray for our staff, pray for our teachers, pray for our leaders as we continue to move forward in the grace that God allows. You know, less than two weeks, or less than two weeks from our national election, and I urge everyone to exercise their right to vote. We have a wonderful country afforded to us by those who've given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy and have gone before us, giving us an ex- excellent example of what it means uh, to live at peace with our fellow citizens. They've laid down some great footsteps that we indeed need to be following in. So please go vote. Jeff Watts and uh, Hannah Watts uh, were were married, uh, were united in holy matrimony last Saturday here and at Memorial with uh, Corey Stewart uh, officiating the ceremony. And the couple are honeymooning in Rio Dosa, New Mexico. We wish them all the best as they begin their marriage and cultivate the art of living together. Uh, best wishes to you both. Last Sunday, we also presented our 2021 annual church budget uh, to Memorial uh, for examination. We will have another church conference on November 29th to vote on this proposed budget for next year. Each member household will receive a copy of the budget in the mail this next week. Most of the budget is very similar to our 2020 budget, with the addition of a full-time worship pastor position, a part-time preschool coordinator position, and a part-time maintenance groundskeeper position. Uh, We're excited about the possibilities for growth that God has given us uh, for this next year. If you have any questions, uh, we ask that you please call the church so that we can answer your questions. Um, We really want to have a dialogue about this before we uh, vote on it. So if you have questions, please call us. Uh, Also, as we continue to reopen the ministries at Memorial, please exercise grace towards others as they attend our worship and Bible study times. You know, understand that we are encouraging people to wear a face mask, but it's not mandatory or required. We are encouraging people to do that. 
Um, and while we are wearing one out of consideration for others, it, it's not a requirement. So let's treat others with grace as everyone continues to assess their own risk and may we receive grace from others as well. Thank you for understanding these strange circumstances and interesting times. Before we get into our Bible study, I'd like for us to pray together and um, I will be leading us in prayer and um, I would just ask that you pray with me uh, as, as I lead. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be together and I thank you for the technology that we have uh, that we can uh, just uh, be with one another even through uh, this podcast. Um, Father, you are everywhere. You're all around us and you're at work all around us. Um, Father, there is none beside you. You are a great and mighty God. I ask, Father, that you would be with our nation. I pray for the national election of our leaders. And I ask, Father, that you would give us uh, and them a turning back to God, to you, Lord. That you would just um, turn the hearts of our, of our people, of our nation, back to you. Father, I lift up our community around us as we witness, as we share the gospel uh, with others. I pray, Father, that you would draw men and women to yourself. I lift up our college ministry to you, Lord, and as they witness and disciple others, I pray that you would just um, show yourself mighty in their cause, and Father, that you would help them to, to gain traction and influence in others' lives. Father, I lift up our youth to you as they are being discipled and as they carry the gospel out to the schools where they go. In our children's ministry, as we minister to children and to their families, I pray, Father, that you would just continue to reveal yourself and to uh, draw uh, sons and daughters to yourself. Father, I thank you for our Sunday school, and I thank you for those teachers that are willing to step up and, and lead out. And uh, Father, as we continue to, to open uh, with new classes, I, I pray, Father, that your grace would just be upon us. And Father, that you would draw men and women and, and visitors and guests from the community, just, uh, Father, that, that want to be a part of what we are doing here at Memorial. And, and, and Father, I just want to lift up our homebound uh, we know, uh, Father, that, that this is a, a very lonely time of being shut in and not being able to go places. And, and I just ask, Father, that they would sense your presence with them. Father, that they would, that they would sense even now uh, that you're, um, you being there with them in this time. And, Father, that they would lean in uh, to you during this, this time of loneliness. Father, when we are with you, we are never alone. Um, Lord, I also want to lift up our church budget for next year. I, I know it is a walk and step of faith. And so I pray, Father, that, that you would provide uh, for those things that you have put on our hearts to do. And uh, Father, we know that you are more than able. And Father, we trust you. So I ask God that you would just uh, provide uh, the resources the faith, uh, the joy uh, 
(laughs) It all comes from you, Lord. Uh, I pray for these new staff positions, Father, for 2021, that you would just uh, bring the the right people uh, for those those areas. Uh, Father, the ones that you have put aside, Father, those that you have chosen, um, reveal that to us so that we could bring them on board and, and uh, Father, for your glory and for your honor. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with our deacon body. Um, Father, I ask that you would just continue to draw them in humility uh, and surrender to you, Father. Uh, what a great group of men and their spouses that, that, that you have assembled. I pray, Father, for their hearts. I pray that you would just bless them with your presence. And Father, that they would have times of refreshing with you, times of prayer and and just uh, speaking to their hearts. Father, my desire is for you to bring about a great revival, uh, that it would take place in our church and in our community. And Father, that it would be a a soul-drenching, Holy Spirit-driven, um, salvation-centered revival, Father, that others would come to know you in a very personal way. God, you are a great God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us and being our teacher and our guide. Guide us as we study your word. I pray that you would reveal uh, your truth to us and that you would guide us in that. We love you. We praise you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to study our, our scripture today. It's, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And um, if you want to take out your scripture and open it up to that, uh, I know that you will benefit from that time, our time together. You know, a pastor encountered three young boys and he asked them, he said, do you want to go to heaven? And um, one of them said, not me. And the pastor was shocked. He said, you don't want to go to heaven when you die? And he said, oh, when I die? Yeah, sure. I thought you were getting a group to go right now. (laughs) You know, most of us probably share that boy's feelings about heaven. You know, someday it would be nice to go there. Uh, But at the moment, we're, we're not really got a death wish. We're not really interested. It's just too nice here on earth. I mean, besides, if we were honest, we'd probably admit that heaven might seem a bit boring, um, being what we think about heaven. You know, and the the guy that that makes the Far Side cartoon, uh, Gary Larson, he he pictured uh, this, you know, he pictured a guy with wings and a white robe and a halo sitting alone on a cloud thinking, Wish I'd brought a magazine. (laughs) You know, I just asked the question, are you a happy Christian? Do you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Have you a radiant countenance that causes others to know that you're a citizen of heaven? If we're not happy, but if we're negative and critical and hard, folks, we're just not walking by faith. Our minds are not occupied with God and His promises to us, and we're failing to persevere in the faith. See, a sourpuss Christian is not living in the reality of His spiritual blessing 
in their heavenly home. Hebrews 11 was written to a group of professing Hebrew Christians who were not persevering in the Christian faith as they should have been doing. They were doubting the reality of their salvation. They had lost sight of their heaven realities of of Christ Jesus. And the author of the book of Hebrews turns to the Old Testament saints as an illustration of people who walked the life of faith. And these Old Testament saints are used to prove to these New Testament saints the, the reality of their spiritual blessings in Christ. In Hebrews 11, uh, verse 13 through 16, our passage today, you know, the land of Canaan is used as a type or an illustration of how the Christian should persevere in his faith and long for our heavenly home. This passage talks about believing God's earthly promise. Look with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it starts out this way, and it says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises. See, Bible commentators disagree as to who all these refer to, but it seems to me that this refers to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And These great men of faith died as ones who were persevering with a strong belief in God's promise to Abraham and to his seed, his descendants. They were true believers all through their lives, and they did not turn away from God. They did not apostatize, but they died in faith. They died believing in God's promise without possessing what God had promised. See, God promised to Abraham and his children that they would be a great nation, that they would have land forever, and that through the Jews, the whole world would be spiritually blessed through the Messiah that was to come. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, it it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in all of the families of the earth, Excuse me, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were promised a land for their own possession, and that land that was occupied, it was occupied then by the powerful Canaanites. And Abraham had left Ur of the Chaldees by by faith and had come into the land of Canaan. And God said this land belonged to Abraham and to his seed, his descendants, which would include Isaac and Jacob and all the the physical descendants of Abraham. The patriarchs possessed the title deed to the land because God had given it to them, but they did not actually possess one square foot of the land because it was occupied by others, by the Canaanites. The land by right was Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's, but they never received the land that God had already given them. They died still believing the promise, but they never actually possessed the land. They only possessed the, the land by faith, but and not, excuse me, in actuality. 
It's my opinion that one day God will resurrect Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all believing Jews to possess this land, and this will take place in the millennium. Christians have been promised by God that they have eternal life and that they are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know, in John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. Ephesians 2, 4 and following says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, heaven belongs to the Christian while we are on the earth because God has promised it to us. But the Christian does not actually possess it as yet. One day, one day, Every Christian will literally possess heaven and be with Christ forever. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. (laughs) This scripture goes on in, in Hebrews 11, 13. It says, But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance... The patriarchs saw the possession of the land by the the eye gate, if you will, of faith. And they knew that one day their seed would actually possess the land God had promised to them. They enjoyed many of the blessings of the land, even though they never possessed it. Much of the life of faith consists in laying hold of and enjoying God's promises before the actual possession of them is attained. Heaven belongs to the Christian, but we do not have to wait until we get to heaven to enjoy spiritual and heavenly realities. See, by faith, we can experience a little bit of heaven now. How precious are God's promises to you? Does your heart cling to them with love and delight? Are God's promises more important to you than earthly riches? You know, Psalm 119 verse 14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. This, this verse in, in chapter 11 verse 13 says, And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles or pilgrims on the earth. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob owned none of the land of Canaan. For hundreds of years they lived in the promised land and they lived as nomads with no place to settle down. The land by right was theirs, but they did not possess it, but they lived in it as pilgrims and strangers. The sons of Heth, Abraham confessed, I am a a stranger and sojourner among you. As long as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were in the land occupied by their enemies, they were strangers to it and sojourners in it. The land occupied by foreigners and 
the patriarchs living in it as a type of picture of a Christian's renunciation of the world's system. See, as heavens, as heavenly citizens, Christians are commanded not to be conformed to this world. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The patriarchs demonstrated they were strangers by not taking part in any way of the, uh, with the religious and social life of the Canaanites. And they also demonstrated that they were sojourners by moving about from place to place so as to never put down permanent roots in the promised land until they possessed it. You know, the figure of a stranger applied to the Christian in this age of the church is quite revealing. The Christian is a stranger in the foreign country of planet Earth. He lives here, but he does not really belong here, for his home is in heaven. A foreigner is avoided in another country, and the Christian's spiritual birth is not appreciated by this world. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. A stranger in a foreign land finds the habits and the ways and the language strange to him. And just like that, the Christian has a lifestyle that does not fit into the unsaved world's system. You know, 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says this. It says, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality and lusts, drunkenness, carousals, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all of this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. See, a stranger in another country is easily identified, and a true Christian is easily identified in the world. And a little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for the way you talk gives you away. Remember at Jesus' trial in Matthew 26. His talk, the way he talked, he was from Galilee. He talked different. See, a stranger in a foreign country is often overtaken by homesickness, and the true Christian longs for their heavenly home. Philippians 1.23 says, But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. <laughs> See, the figure, the picture, if you will, of a pilgrim or a sojourner is equally suggestive for the Christian walk. Moving from place to place in this world, a true Christian never feels truly at home. I mean, at times we find ourselves very much alone and meet with very few people who are going the same way that we are spiritually. Those we encounter in this world think us maybe odd or a religious fanatic. And the true Christian knows that that he is not to put his roots down into this world and get engrossed with its lust and materialism and hunger for power. 
because we realize that we belong to another world. 1 Peter 2, Peter writes this. He says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. See, Christians are to use this world but not abuse it. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away, 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. It is not wrong to have earthly riches, brothers and sisters. For Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were all wealthy men, but the lures of the world are not to possess and obsess the Christian. For we are moving on to heavenly glory. <laughs> We're not to renounce God's material blessings on us, but we are to renounce all the carnal affections for them. We cannot get out of the world, but we must get the world out of us if we want God's blessing. King David, a rich man, was not worldly, but God-centered. In Psalm 39, verse 12, he says this, Hear my prayer, O Lord. And give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee, a sojourner like all my fathers. You know, the epistle to Diognetus of the second century says this about the Christians. He says they inhabit their own country, but as sojourners they take part in all things as citizens, and endure all things as aliens. Every foreign country is theirs, and every country is foreign. See, we we are seeking God's heavenly promise. Verse 14 in our passage says, For those who say such things make it clear they are seeking a country of their own. The patriarchs made it clear when they declared themselves strangers and pilgrims that they had a hope that went beyond just that of an earthly land. They had a heavenly hope. They were seeking a heavenly country, and a country that was was and that country was what motivated them to keep on persevering in in faith while they were on this earth. Christians today must continually seek the reality of spiritual things and long for our heavenly home, um, the new Jerusalem. Verse 15 says, And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they had went out, they would have had opportunity to return. So what he's saying here is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob could have gone back to their original homeland in Ur of the Chaldees if they had wanted to, but they did not want to go back to that old way of life. God called them and put new desires in their heart for the one true living God. They put to death those thoughts that they might have had of returning to Ur and pushed on to do God's will as He had promised. And you see, Christians have been given new desires by God for spiritual realities and those sinful aspects of our lives that 
are a carryover from our unsaved state must be put to death. Colossians 3.5 says, Therefore consider the members of our earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. See, no Christian will ever go back to the world system because God has called us to salvation and through the new birth has put new desires in our heart for God and holiness in this life. A Christian may flirt with the world for a time, but he will come back because he really belongs to God and longs for the things of God. A mere professing Christian, however, can and will go back into the world system because he does not have a changed heart. Just like Demas, 2 Timothy 4, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. See, by faith, a true Christian perseveres in faith, pushing on towards his heavenly home. And once a Christian has truly tasted of heavenly realities, he does not want to go back into the world because he knows he can never be happy and satisfied in the world's system. Verse 16 of our passage says, But but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. See, the patriarchs by faith sought a better country than Ur of the Chaldees or even the earthly promised land of Canaan. They sought heaven itself. They were searching to avoid every hindrance, overcome every obstacle, and press toward the heavenly country, the new Jerusalem. We read about that in Revelation 21 where it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death. And there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. See, each day the patriarchs weaned themselves more and more from the world and put their mind towards heaven. Have you ever felt like an outsider? You know, Tracy and I felt that way when we traveled in Europe. I mean, you can try to blend in, you can still, but you still stand out as being different. You don't speak their language. You can't read the signs or the newspapers. They use different money. You stand out even in your appearance. You don't share or understand many of their customs. And while those who are native to that land are very friendly and even hospitable, and maybe they do everything they can to make you feel welcome, you're still a stranger. As Christians, we're supposed to feel that way about living in this evil world. We shouldn't fit in. I mean, the world pursues different goals and pleasures than we do. The world laughs at jokes and scenes and movies that we find unacceptable. The world lives for this life only, but we live in light of eternity. 
The world lives as if there is no God, and we live to please the God who knows our every thought and motive. The world should not be able to understand us because we think, we act, and we live so differently than they do. Do you seek this better country, the heavenly city of New Jerusalem? Are you motivated by spiritual realities or by carnal things, pleasures and pursuits? The Bible tells us as Christians we should set our attention on heavenly realities. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on, thing, on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. See, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. That's what the second half of verse 16 says. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were not ashamed to renounce the world and seek after the living God and long for their heavenly home. Because of their faith in Him, God was not ashamed to be called their God. They honored God and God honored them. See, each Christian who honors God is honored by God. God places His covenant love upon all who obey Him in faith and by faith. See, God's true children breathe to know the living God, and God is not ashamed of them. Psalm 73 verse 25 says, Who have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. Who do I have in heaven but you, God? And besides you, I desire nothing on the earth. See, God was not ashamed to be called their God. Think about this. You know, immigrants in America generally excel because they know they can only gain. They have no fallback position. They don't want to go back to their old country. Wayne Elpis, he tells of his immigrant grandfather. He says they were dirt poor and they were coming from Poland. Grandpa only knew one English phrase and that phrase was help us, help us. And when the government official on Ellis Island asked for his name, Grandpa responded, help us. And the the official wrote down, help us. And that's what it's been ever since. Grandpa never even told the family what their real name was. He never looked back. Brothers and sisters, this verse says that God is our God. If God is our God, how content we should be. The God of heaven and earth possesses us and calls himself our God. See, this truth should make us confident. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This truth should make us joyful. 
You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. See, this truth should make us happy because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. We Christians ought to be the most joyful, happy, and free people on all the earth. If God is for us, who can be against us? I I contend again, sourpuss Christians are not uh, persevering by faith. You know, three summers ago, my wife and I rode uh, on the metro. It's a train, and and we rode backward through some of the Cinque Terre region on the coastline of northern Italy. Sitting in seats that faced the rear of the train, all we could see was where we had been, not where we were going. Buildings, ocean views, and trees flew by the window after we had passed them. I got to admit, I didn't like, I didn't like that. I'd rather see where I'm going, not where I've been. Sometimes we may feel that way about life too, wishing that we could see ahead. We'd like to know how certain situations are going to turn out, how God is going to answer our prayers. But all we can know is where we've been. That is, if it were not for faith. See, by faith we can see that heavenly city. The fellowship of Christians, which is the church, should be the happiest and most joyful group of people on earth. A sad, solemn, long-faced Christian is an anomaly, a contradiction in terms. If a person is long-faced, you know, and sad about things, one may almost doubt if they know the Lord. Because of all people, We have the most to rejoice about. God has adopted us as his children and heirs. Jesus, his son, is our brother. Our sins are forgiven. Heaven (laughs) is our home. And nothing on all the earth can take this away from us. No wonder No wonder we love to to gather together, to meet together, and to praise and to thank our God. See, the mind, our mind, cannot imagine the blessedness, the peace, the assurance that we have in this fellowship because it is indeed and it is intended to be a, a small taste of heaven on earth. For you who do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God has also given many promises to you. He promises to give the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life to any and to all who will believe His promises. Isaiah 45, 22 says, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. 
and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You can only accept God's promise of salvation by faith. You must trust in, lean upon, and commit to Jesus alone to save you from sin and eternal judgment. Scripture answers the question, what must you do to be saved? In Acts 16.31 it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, ask God to open your eyes to the beauty of the better country which is in heaven. Ask Him to fill your vision with the beauty of Jesus so that with the psalmist you can testify, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Brothers and sisters, I need to wrap this up. So I just, we're going to, I want to thank you for tuning in. We will continue our study next week in Hebrews 11. So until then, I hope that you stay safe and enjoy God's creation. Our God is an awesome God and worthy of our praise. I hope to see you soon. This is Ridge Adams from Memorial Baptist Church in Temple, Texas. May God bless you as you continue to seek His face.